From the Jesuits of Canada and the United States, this is AMDG. I'm Mike Jordan-Lasky. Mark Kennedy Shriver has spent a lot of time with incredibly impressive people. His father was Sergeant Shriver, who founded the Peace Corps, was the architect of Lyndon Johnson's War on Poverty, and ran for vice president on the Democratic ticket in 1972. Sarge Shriver was married to Mark's mother, Eunice Kennedy Shriver, sister of JFK and RFK, for 56 years. She, in turn, founded the Special Olympics. The public service values Mark learned from his parents have taken root in his own life, as Mark served as a Maryland state delegate for eight years, and he's led the Save the Children Action Network for the last seven. Mark knows what it means to be a servant leader, and he shares those lessons with a fresh generation in his brand new children's book, Ten Hidden Heroes, published by Loyola Press. The book is a vividly illustrated, Where's Waldo-style collection of people serving their communities in big and small ways, meant to show kids that they don't need a lot of money or superpowers to be a hero in their own communities. I talked to Mark Shriver a few weeks ago about why he wrote the book, how his Catholic faith and Jesuit education shape his values, and what today's leaders navigating the coronavirus pandemic might learn from the example of his parents. You can subscribe to AMDG wherever you get podcasts. And thanks for joining us. Mark Kennedy Shriver, welcome to AMDG. Thanks so much for taking some time to talk to me. How are you doing? Great. Thanks so much for having me, Mike. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. So I'm excited to talk to you about uh, a new children's book you've written that's coming out in March. We're we're chatting in in January, but looking forward to the release of the book in March, uh, which is called 10 Hidden Heroes, coming out with Loyola Press. Uh, So yeah, really excited to hear about where where that came from and uh, what yeah, what led to led to the book? But maybe we could start if you just tell us a little bit uh, about yourself or for folks who might not be familiar with you. Uh, sure. I work now at uh, Save the Children, uh, which is a, a big international uh, non-governmental organization. I run all their work here in the United States. I also run their political advocacy arm called Save the Children Action Network. Um, before that, I had been in the Maryland legislature uh, as a member of the House of Delegates and had uh, started a program working for ju- with juvenile delinquent kids in Baltimore City. So my career in both the public sector and the elected sector, I worked in the nonprofit world as well excuse me, in the for-profit world as well, has all been kind of geared towards children and trying to address some of the systemic issues affecting poor kids uh, in this country. Um, And I've written a couple of books, uh, as we might talk about, Mike, Uh, one on on my father called A Good Man, Rediscovering Sergeant Shriver. Uh, And the other one was on Pope Francis called Pilgrimage, uh, My Search for the Real Pope Francis. And having been educated by the Jesuits, at both high school and in college, really impressed um, and influenced by the idea of being a, a man or a woman for others, for and with others. Um, and this book, 10 Hidden Heroes, is a children's book that really is trying to talk about uh, the good deeds that so often go unnoticed in, in our country uh, and really in the world that you know people, American culture focuses on uh, heroes, on you know, the famous quarterback, the the rich CEO, the person who's starring in a movie, uh, men and women who have power and prestige and money. And, you know, having been educated by the Jesuits and um, really thinking that the most important thing is to be good. 
and to do the right thing when no one's looking and to do the right thing when, when people are looking. And that's what 10 Hidden Heroes are. It's a celebration, accounting book celebrating uh, the heroes that are all around us that don't get a lot of recognition. Do you remember like where, when the idea like hit you? Were you just like sitting around one day and, and it came to you? Was it during the pandemic when you thought of this? Was it before? Like take us into like the, that journey of how it came from an idea into a book. Well, I never, I didn't have a kind of on the road to Damascus type experience, Mike. No, it, it, you know, it wasn't a lightning bolt or a flash of, of light that knocked me off my donkey. Um, I mean, I think, you know, the books that I've written and, and conversations with friends and the folks at Loyola Press, um, you know, it, it evolved to really focusing in on, um, you know, people, as I said, that are hidden heroes. Um, and I had this great quote at the end of the book I had, I wrote on Pope Francis in which uh, Pope Francis talks about little acts of love and that those are really what the church is all about and what faith is all about is doing small things like getting, you know, a family member, a hug, telling someone you love them, uh, getting someone, uh, you know, cooking them a meal. And I, I think the idea of, of a kid's book with trying to get that message out to kids and to adults that are reading to them um, about elevating these hidden heroes uh, just came to, came around and then it became a great project, um, you know, in March, April, May during COVID uh, with our family, because that to identify in each of the pages, 10, 9, 8, 7, right on down, heroes doing different things, whether it's helping the environment, whether it's, you know, sowing seeds of peace, whether it is helping in the criminal justice system, all of and our family, our three kids, my wife, Jeannie, and I uh, got to weave in what we were hoping the pictures would include. Uh, so it was a fun family project to, to do during COVID while we were all working and at home, really. So take, take us into the book. Uh, it, I've, I had a chance to see it. It's uh, really bright. There's a lot going on, a lot for kids and, and parents and me to kind of look through and to find details hidden throughout. So yeah, tell us about like wh what it ends up looking like. Well, it's, it's a counting book. So, you know, um, at Save the Children, we do a lot of work on early literacy for young children, zero to five. So this fit in perfectly with the work that we're doing all across America. Um, so, you know, Page 10 is a focus on people that are helping out in their communities. Page nine are nine hidden heroes uh, that are doing work in hospitals, keeping people safe. Eight hidden heroes are you know, working to save the environment. The five hidden heroes are around peace uh, and avoiding you know, conflict. And on each of those pages, there's four, four, four sentences of rhymes. And then you've got to find the heroes in the book. So it's kind of like, where's Waldo? You have to find the heroes in the paintings. Um, and in some cases, there are more heroes than there are that number, but it's an adventure book for children. Um, can they find the parent who's taking care of their kids and putting the car seat in correctly with the fireman? Um, you know, it's these little gestures that Pope Francis talks about. Uh, is it finding, you know, somebody who's cleaning up the neighborhood of plastic containers? Um, and the next door neighbor is doing compost, which helps the environment because it cuts down on trash and all of the compost goes back into the earth. Um, is it someone who uses a recyclable uh, jug for water so that they don't produce a lot of litter in plastic containers? These are all little gestures, but if we all did little things well, as Pope Francis and St. Teresa talk about, we you know, have mighty, mighty walls of energy and love going across the, the world. 
the uh, illustrations are really fabulous. It's the Laura Watson is the the illustrator of the book and just really bright colors. And again, as I said, just a lot going on, a lot to kind of uh, look through and spend time with. How did uh, what was your reaction when you first saw those those images? You had the idea in your head, but then to see them kind of brought to life it's on so the page. exciting, Mike. You know, you're right. It's like you know, you you think about it, and I had conversations with her, and you know, and saying, look, on five hidden heroes, we we want to talk about peace. Can you put in somebody from the Peace Corps? Can you put in you know, somebody, uh, two kids that were in a disagreement and they uh, figured out how to resolve it peacefully. Um, and, you know, then she puts those ideas on the paper and then you go back and forth on that, uh, you know, and edit it a little bit here and there. And so it was an iterative process. It was a lot of fun. It was very creative. You know, our children, my daughter, Molly, who graduated from Boston College last May, has done a lot of work on criminal justice issues. And she wanted us, you know, Jesus is called a feed the hungry, clothe the naked, shelter the homeless, visit those in prison. And she wanted, you know, suggested somehow weaving in that people were visiting people in uh, prison. Or, and then we found that there was a great tutoring program where people remotely will tutor prisoners. So I talked to, you know, said to Laura, can you weave that into a, a scene? So it's in, you know, it's hidden in there. And, and that's, it's beautiful because people can, talk to kids, you know, their kids, but they can also look at it and go, wow, you know, five-year-old can't tutor a prisoner, but maybe I can get involved in a tutoring program and help those in prison, um, you know, learn uh, basic um, literacy skills and, and come out of prison and, and be able to potentially get a job. So that was the idea. It's fun. You know, it's, um, I go back to the, the example of composting. We compost in our house. We haven't thrown away a fruit or vegetable in probably 10 years. The kids all make fun of me because they take it all out there every night, but it cuts down on your trash and that turns into dirt, which we throw around the backyard and put in our backyard, which goes right into Mother Earth. It cuts down on waste. It cuts down on everything. And if everybody composted, it's these little gestures, right, Mike, of, as Pope Francis says, little gestures of love. So I had three kids age five and under. So I've become a connoisseur of children's literature. And one thing I've learned like from authors of books for kids is like that it's really difficult to write them. I think sometimes people say, oh, you just, you sit down and you know write a few rhymes and it's done, but that a lot more goes into it than that. So like what for you was like the biggest challenge in like sitting down, knowing you only have so many pages to work with, only so many things to do. Like what, what was some of like the challenges you faced when you uh, sat down to write this? Well, I had, a, I had a lot of help, but I have a lot of help in everything. I mean, I, you know, I've, wrote uh, the two other books, um, A Good Man and Pilgrimage. Um, and people, you know, have helped me out. I mean, I can write a little bit, but I'm not, you know, uh, I'm not Hemingway or, um, you know, Shakespeare. I'm not that good a writer. You know, my wife is great on, on rhymes. And it was a family project. Uh, and I did not have, you know, the ideas for these hidden heroes, the 10, the not, you know, the nine, the eight, all of those folks, those came from our kids. They came, you know, from Laura, the, the illustrator, from other folks at Loyola Press. It was, um, it was a group, group effort. Um, but when you're, when you're facing four sentences and they have to rhyme <laughs> on each page, so the book is 40 sentences, uh, you know, it makes you really look at every word and make sure it makes sense. I'm sure the book is not perfect by any stretch, but it's every word makes a difference. Um, and I think that's true in, in writing uh, across the board. You know, if you really value the written word, 
um, you know that you've got to struggle with every word. And writing for me anyways is really hard because is that really what you meant? When you talked about the 10 hidden heroes saving the environment, is, is that really the right word you wanted in there? Um, that's true. I think uh, we've gotten sloppy as a culture and as a people uh, on the written word because, you know, people can stand up and you know say something or write something. And, well, I didn't really mean it. Well, then don't put your name behind it because words have consequences. And we've seen people that in written words and spoken words, when they you know, incite violence or incite uh, bad behavior, it can have, you know, deathly repercussions. Sure. So you, you've mentioned your, your family collaborating with you on it, and there are themes of your uh, of your family that pop up in the book as well. Uh, I noticed especially uh, images from the, with the Special Olympics logo and Peace Corps logo, the same two-page spread, which I saw as like a nice nod to your, your parents. Uh, just curious for, for listeners uh, who aren't maybe as familiar, uh, share any stories of your your parents' involvement with those organizations and, and why those two made it into the book? Yeah, you know, my, uh, my mom, uh, Eunice Kennedy Shriver, started uh, Special Olympics, which is a sports training and competition for people with uh, developmental differences. Um, and it's all around the world, celebrated its 50th anniversary last year. Um, and it's knocking down walls of prejudice and misunderstanding all across the world. Uh, I was at the International Games a couple of years ago in China. Uh, you know, they're all around, as I said, uh, it's a fantastic operation. And, uh, you know, my father started the Peace Corps, um, created the Peace Corps under President Kennedy in 1961. And these are all, again, little gestures of sowing seeds of understanding and bringing people together, sports competitions bring people together. Um, and, you know, you don't look at the person you're competing against as an arch enemy, you look at him as a fellow competitor and Special Olympics does that beautifully. I'm proud to be on the board of that organization. And Peace Corps, you know, is, is really peace uh, focused. They're young Americans who are living in communities alongside um, their friends and neighbors and, and oftentimes in, in dire poverty. And, and that's, I think, the, shows the strength of the United States when our youngest citizens go abroad to work side by side, to live side by side. That's a real understanding of what will make profound change. It's not through our power that we change the world. It's through our humility and it's through our service and commitment to others. And, you know, my brother Anthony started Best Buddies and there, I don't know if you saw that, but um, it's a friendship program with uh, people that have developmental disabilities and those that don't in high schools and colleges and work programs all across the world put them in there too. Uh, save the children where I work, you know, there, we do a lot on literacy. There's, we give away a ton of books to parents so that they can read to their children. And that's in them as well. So it was fun weaving those things in there. Um, and just elevating, you know, people think, do you really think that, you know, a special Olympics athlete who's got developmental disabilities is a hero? I do. Do you think, you know, a young high school kid or a college kid or an adult who's, you know, working with somebody who's got developmental disabilities and they're developing a friendship and they're changing the way people look at, um, you know, and discriminate against people with developmental disabilities? Are those people heroes? Yeah. As a Peace Corps volunteer, I mean, at Mass, we pray for the military, right, Mike? Do we also pray for peacekeepers? I mean, I think it was Jesus who said, I'm being sarcastic, you know, blessed are those, uh, blessed are the peacemakers. 
but do we really, you know, do we say in church all the time, you know, God bless the, uh, and our intentions, do we, you know, say God bless Peace Corps workers? And I'm, you know, my roommate in college fought in uh, Operation Desert Storm. I'm grateful for his service and the service of so many others of our troops, but let's bless our peacemakers too. So I wanted to raise up the work of the Peace Corps, Special Olympics, Best Buddies, Save the Children, a little the groups that don't often get a lot of recognition. Yeah, you see, I think in that example through the book and through what, what you're talking about, like a vision of leadership, uh, you know, I think of you as uh, one in a long line of leaders in your family, people who you've learned from their example, I had a chance to, again, serve in a number of different capacities. Uh, but again, as we see in the in that book, like this is for you, you know, what at the heart of leadership, a kind of a servant leadership. Um, and I'm just wondering, like, we obviously as a country right now need, in the world, need leadership at every level of government, at every institution, we need really good leadership. Um, and I'm just wondering, like, for you having gotten to know a lot of really good leaders in your time, like, what are some of the traits, maybe from your parents or others you've worked with, like, really kind of some examples of leadership traits that you draw on and you think like the world could really use right now? Well, I mean, you know, I think my mother and father are the folks that I look to for how they behaved uh, and trying to emulate that. I'm a huge admirer of Dr. King um, and the way he led. Uh, I think it's the folks that I try to emulate are servant leaders. You know, you hear that term more and more now, but people that, that uh, you know, are humble. Uh, that are decent, that do the right thing. Um, you know, I, I mentioned earlier about the American concept and infatuation with, you know, greatness. It's money, it's power, it's prestige, it's, you know, having a big house, multiple big houses, you know, corporate jet, big bank account, uh, you know, great athlete. And I think, you, you know, what really is important is how you serve others. My father said this in a speech at the Peace Corps reunion, 25th anniversary. It's serve, 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 for in the end, it will be the servants who save us all. That's pretty un-American. But it's, you know, Jesus talked about service, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. You know, the most important rule is to love your Lord, your God, with all your heart, all your soul, all your might, and love your neighbor as yourself. So I think, you know, we need to raise up people who really believe in, in serving and loving their neighbor. And as Pope Francis says, I just read this off, you know, because I love it so much. But he talks about little gestures, quiet things, little signs, little things. It's not power and money and prestige that he talks about. It's, it's about those little gestures um, that make people feel loved and supported. And I think that's what our leaders should be doing, too. Um, a lot of our leaders, you know... You don't often win uh, uh, elected officials, don't win running on that, but that's okay. I mean, my father ran with George McGovern and they got crushed by Richard Nixon and Spiro Agnew. And within three or four, three years anyways, Nixon and Agnew had both resigned in disgrace. So I know who the real winners were in that race. Um, you know, and George McGovern fought in the war. So did my dad. Dad started the Peace Corps. And these are, you know, things that maybe don't get as much credit in our culture, but maybe they should. Actually, no, maybe they should. They definitely should. 
I, I do want to ask you a little bit about Pope Francis. You've written a book about him. Uh, as you mentioned, you uh, are a fan of his. They use that, that line from him. I, when, when I was looking at your book, it reminded me of uh, the interview he gave at the beginning of the, like in the middle of the pandemic uh, to come real magazine, Austin Ivory, when he talked about saints next door. I know that's a phrase he's used a bunch that we have these saints next door, people living kind of quiet lives of compassion and service who aren't always recognized. And just curious about like from kind of watching Pope Francis over these past handful of years, what about his own leadership has inspired you the most? Exactly what you just said. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a beautiful saint next saints next door. That's what the book 10 hidden heroes is about. They're, there are a lot of really good, decent people, um, and we need to elevate their example, as Pope Francis talks about, and we need to celebrate them. Um, you know, he has this quote where I put in the books, the quiet things done by mothers and grandmothers, by fathers and grandfathers, by children. There are little signs of tenderness, affection, and compassion. These are homey gestures, he said, that are, we need to elevate that. And, uh, you know, we're also consumed with making money and um, power and, and influence that we forget that ultimately the little saints next door are, are to be celebrated. That's what 10 hidden heroes are. It's on page 10, there are 10 hidden heroes, you know, 10 little saints, hidden saints. On page nine, there are nine hidden saints and they're doing different works, whether it's caring for the environment, caring for each other, caring uh, for peace. Um, that's what makes it so fun to have worked on this book and to have written it. Yeah. We know that, you know, this work is going on like all the time. It's my, my life right now is again, juggling work and being a, a father and not really having childcare and my wife working and just bouncing back and forth and, and trying our best. Right. And everyone kind of trying their best. And we know, so like we have this context against the backdrop of like trust in institutions, like at a very, low point in our history. Like we've talked, if it's with the government or media or the church, like trust institutions is low. The idea of like public service, say, especially like in the field of government is like seen as, you know, a place where like corruption reigns and it's not necessarily like a good moral place. But the Catholic church teaches that like serving in, in that way in public service, especially is like, that's a really worthwhile way to, to build justice and to promote the kingdom of God. Um, and I just curious for you, like, have you seen this again, coming from a family of people who had served publicly, you, you having done that too, like, how do we go about like rebuilding trust in some of these institutions that, you know, in some ways have really let us down? I think you, it's gotta be one small gesture at a time, Mike. I mean, you know, uh, Ignatius talks about the battle between good and evil, right? I mean, there's the two standards and, uh, it's real and, um, you know, it, there's a battle between those who believe in facts and in science and in, and um, that that is not inconsistent with faith. And, uh, you know, Pope Francis talks about that, uh, that words matter and gestures matter. Um, and we need to reclaim that in the public uh, square. And we need to hold people that are that are trying to eat away at those institutions and that are not telling the truth. We have to hold them accountable. And um, it's not going to happen overnight. You can't build back that faith uh, in institutions or that trust in institutions overnight. You know, uh, got to have actions and you have to have words um, and we have to you know, make sure it's grounded in humility and, uh, and grounded in faith. So I don't have an answer that, you know, there's any silver bullet here other than it's going to take a lot of work. 
and we've all responsible for the state in which we find ourselves uh, as a society. We've allowed it to happen. We, you know, encourage it by watching it. We encourage it by laughing at it. We didn't, you know, take it seriously. Uh, we looked the other way, whether it's in politics or the church or, you know, in any other number of different uh, structures. We all got to look in the mirror and try to figure out how together we can move it in the right direction. You're just learning a little bit about your dad strikes me as someone who had a, you know, put really put his faith into action in that, you know, in the political sphere and throughout public service and to see that that's something, you know, to draw on something that can shape our politics as opposed to our politics shaping our faith, but really trying to root, root that and doesn't mean we don't serve and welcome and promote the well-being of everyone, but that we can still, the values and principles we have can, you know, come from something as deeply personal as our own faith. And, and just in that background for you and, and your family, and now watching in the first few days of our second Catholic president, someone who also seems to have a deep personal faith and seems to root a lot of his like positions and uh, again, not always consistent with the church teaching, but uh, clearly is someone who's motivated by that and a vision of um, of justice. And just curious for you, like what you've been feeling kind of watching these early days of um, a second Catholic president and if it connects to you for, for anyone uh, who you've known or even your own story. Well, I think, uh, you know, I, I, I know uh, President Biden. I've interacted with him. I mean, my dad, when he ran for vice president in 72, uh, the last stop he made on, you know, the night before the election was to support a young man running for U.S. Senate in Delaware. And Biden says that dad got those folks fired up that night and helped lead him to the very narrow victory he had. So Biden has been around, you know, my life since whatever I was, eight years of age. Um, you know, and I think he's a uh, an honest, decent, um, empathetic man uh, who obviously is grounded in his faith. Um, and I'm very excited that, uh, you know, he's, he's going to be president. I think it's going to be, a uh, you know, a real push towards truth and, um, towards reaching out to those who are too long been on the periphery. Um, those as you know, as Pope Francis says, has been on the margins. Is he perfect? Absolutely not. Uh, does he understand it? You know, he, he's a sinner. Uh, yes, I think he does. And I think, you know, as Pope Francis said in his first interview, when they asked him who is Jorge Mario Bergoglio, he said, I'm a sinner. So we're all sinners. Um, I love that story in the, in, the, in the Bible where, you know, the woman caught in adultery and, uh, you know, she's brought in. I don't know where the guy is, but they brought the woman in. It's interesting what happened to the guy. I guess he got off. Um, and, they, you know, uh, Jesus asked him, you know, where are those who have condemned you after he says that? And she says that they've left and he, uh, they didn't. And Jesus goes, nor do I condemn you go and sin no more. We're all going to sin, but God has, Jesus has on, you know, unlimited mercy towards us. So you can either choose mercy or misery. And I think um, Biden is going to choose mercy. He's going to choose, you know, accountability. Um, and I think that those are all grounded uh, in Catholic social teaching. Is he hundred percent in agreement with the church? No. I don't know anybody who is, um, you know, we're, we're all inconsistent in that regard, but that, you know, Jesus has calls us to be perfect as, as he is perfect. It's hard. It's impossible. That doesn't mean we shouldn't try. So I'm excited about the second Catholic president. I'm excited about the fact that he goes to mass on a regular basis. You know, my dad and mom both, I think tried to infuse the spirit into their daily work. They went to mass every day. 
very powerful as their son to see my parents on their knees every day, asking for help, asking for guidance. You know, they were smart, connected people, but they knew they didn't have all the answers. So they went to mass every day, regardless of whether we were in town or on the road, on vacation, every time go check into a hotel, what's the local mass schedule? And we went every day and they went every day because um, they knew they needed help. And I think that that sense of humility, which Pope Francis also talks a lot about, and that sense of commitment to the common good, to loving your neighbor as yourself. I think my parents tried to do that and they did it ex extremely well. They weren't perfect. They did it really well. I try to do it not nearly as good as they are, but that's what I'm trying. Yeah. You know, we all need help right now. Right. I mean, I'm just thinking of like being a parent, like right now is hard. Uh, it's always hard. And it's like, there's just a whole new like uh, element to it added right now. And, and thinking about that example of your own parents and like people who have their stuff together, but you know, turning uh, to God and kind of teaching you that humility and faith. And just wondering like for you, like for parents who are sitting down with their kids to read 10 hidden heroes, like, do you have like any words of encouragement or like things for you that have been helpful as a, a dad in the middle of, of all this, like how are you getting through, like what, any like small, like tidbit of advice you have? Jeez, that's a great question, Mike. I, uh, look, when you said everybody who's got it together, I don't think anybody's got it together completely. And I think anybody who tells you they got it completely together is, you know, selling this vision of perfection that doesn't really exist. I mean, we all struggle. I mean, you're at home with three little kids you know, two of ours have left, one's in college, one's graduated from college. Um, you know, we're, we're struggling with coronavirus in our house. Our, our daughter who's in high school, hasn't been to school for almost, well, now over a year. These are hard things to go through. Um, so, I mean, my advice is, you know, make sure it's, you're, you're grounded in a relationship with God. Um, you know, my, my parents went to mass every day because they needed that inspiration, that direction, that support. Um, and that I think gave them an incredible amount of energy. Wow. I mean, every day fired up to go to work and it wasn't, you know, it was, they were fired up because they thought they were going to try to make a little difference that day. So I think anybody, you know, to any parents listening or reading these books, the idea, uh, you know, reading the book, 10 hidden heroes is to celebrate essentially the mundane, the, the small gestures that happen every day and say they are small and they are important and they make a difference. You don't have to have, you know, a second house and a ton of money to be successful. That's the American definition of success. That's not what Jesus called to succeed. In. And if your kids are happy and they're well adjusted and you're grinding them in the faith and you're trying every day, bam, you're a hero. If you're trying to help the environment, if you're trying to help your neighbor, if you're trying to help your kids, if you're trying to help your grandparents, or your you know, parents, uh, you're supporting them. You know, nobody tells you how great you are when you help your parents as they go through, you know, Alzheimer's or through heart problems or through COVID. Bam, you're a hero and you should be celebrated. So, uh, you know, American culture doesn't tell you, go read 10 Hidden Heroes. It'll reinforce it because <laughs> you're doing the right thing. And it's, uh, as the Jesuits say, you know, for the great AMDG is a greater glory of God, right? And, uh, you know, the Jesuits are telling you time and again, be a man or a woman for and with others. And that's what makes you successful. Well, Mark Schreiber, I think that's a good way to end. 
uh, that's like a good call to action and, and I feel consoled. So I appreciate your taking the time. I appreciate that message. Uh, the book is 10 hidden heroes. We'll make sure we link to, uh, to that in the, the show notes so folks can take a look and also your, your other two books. Um, thank you for your work thank with you. save the children. Thanks for, uh, for writing this and for sharing some, uh, some time in your faith with us today. Thanks a million, Mike. Appreciate you having me on board. Thank you. AMDG is a production of the Jesuit Conference of Canada and the United States. And when we're not working from home, the show is recorded at our headquarters in Washington, D.C. AMDG is edited by Marcus Bleach, and our theme music is by Kevin Lasky. The Jesuit Conference communications team is Marcus Bleach, Eric Clayton, Megan Leepsch, Becky Sindelar, and me. Connect with the Jesuits online at jesuits.org. On Twitter at Jesuit News, Instagram at We Are the Jesuits, and Facebook.com/slash Jesuits. Sign up for weekly email reflections by visiting Jesuits.org/weekly. If you or someone you know might be called to discern a vocation to the Jesuits, connect with the Jesuit vocation promoter at BeAJesuit.org. Drop us an email with questions or comments at media at Jesuits.org. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And as St. Ignatius of Loyola may or may not have said, go and set the world on fire.